said in the past, you have commitment issues, so I appreciate you uh, coming on here and doing this. I'm the same way. Like, if I have a meeting, like, next week for, like, 15 minutes, I will just hope it get, gets canceled, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the worst. I mean, my friend's got a great joke. He's like, I'm super stressed out. I have a 6 a.m. flight in a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I totally relate. I, it, oftentimes meetings do get canceled like 15 minutes ahead of like before them and it's the best relief yeah. when oh, they get canceled yeah. best. <laughs> nothing better than when something cancels yeah. <laughs> no because, offense though I'm happy to be here oh thank yeah. you so much man um, when because you have you always been like that like when you first started doing stand up and you had like an 8pm set at night were you awake at like 11am like fuck well, a set is different because that's fun and you get to work on material and tell jokes. But, you know, a flight or a meeting or, yeah. or uh, anything like that is a nightmare. Yeah. What stresses you had about a flight? For me, it's security. It's not that I'm going to get in trouble. I just hate the process of like, you know, dumping all my stuff on the conveyor belt and taking my belt off and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, hate it. I, I hate it, too. I'm with you. But to me, it's the... You can't relax. You're like, all right, what gate am I at? How's the time? Do I miss the boarding? What number am I? What zone am I? Then you get on the plane. Do I have a bag space? Do I not? Am I sitting next to a fat guy? You know, there's so <laughs> many, there's so many like elements that you have to constantly worry about, and that's the part that kills me. Oh, totally. I feel like it's something that like it's not even my own anxieties. It's yeah. like built in from your parents. Yeah, freaking yeah. you out. Like, oh, you have a, an eleven a.m. flight. Yeah. You better be ready at six. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. same. And I'm also hyper vigilant. So if I'm on the flight and I'm uh, I'm in the aisle and someone's sitting next to me in the window seat, the whole flight I'm like, are they going to have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> yes. Fuck this. Yes. Same. Same. We're both considerate to a fault. Like, yes. if if someone's <laughs> If someone's in the middle seat, I just give them the armrest or give her the Yes. I worry about them the whole time. But if I'm I know. in the middle seat, people are stabbing me with elbows all day. I know. And if someone reclines their seat right in my fucking face, I just allow it. I just yeah. let people treat me like shit all the time in that way. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is the reclining the seat etiquette? Because I assume if it reclines, you're allowed to recline it. What? What is that bad? I think you're allowed to recline it, but I never do just because I feel bad for the people behind me. And now I do the thing where I just pick the seat at the very back of the plane so I feel uh, fine with it. And yeah. I also like being close to the bathroom uh, just in case. I don't know. I, just, I, I, hate, I hate bothering anybody ever at all for some reason, which is <laughs> weird because I'm, I'm like 6'3". Like you think I'd be like more into like intimidation and bullying people, but I really feel like I'm just a nuisance. He's very aware of your size. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. But yeah. that's a good sign. I think I think because you're actually secure with yourself. Mm. Well, wait, you know, like it's the little guy who's the bully. Usually yes. he's got to overcompensate. You're the gentle giant. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Made me feel great. Are you are you in New York right now, Mark? I'm actually in Raleigh, North Carolina. Not no. bragging. <laughs> uh, doing a doing a gig out here tonight. Wow, what is that's so crazy? You're doing shows again. How have they been? Ah, oh, they've been great. I mean, I you know I follow the rules. I play ball. I wear the mask. I don't uh, hug anybody. I wear a condom. But <laughs> you know. Uh, I just got to pay the rent. So I have to do these gigs still because yeah. uh, that's my bread and butter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, did you, uh, we just had Dan Soder on and he got COVID and I got COVID last month. <laughs> did you ever get it? <laughs> I got it in March of last year. So about a year ago, I got it when it no was new way. and nobody oh, knew what it was. I thought I called a doctor. I was like, I feel like shit. I don't know what I have. He goes, ah, you got a bug. Something's going around. 
And I think it was COVID. Wow. wow. Did you lose your sense of taste? I lost taste. I lost smell. I was fatigued. I couldn't get up. I was snotty and sweaty and oh, just man. wiped all the time. But yeah. uh, I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I I was telling her, like, to me, feeling shitty and all that stuff was bad, but losing your sense of taste and smell was, like, so depressing. Brutal, brutal. I remember having my nose in a peanut butter jar, and I got nothing. Yeah, I put I took a mouthful of ghost pepper salsa and couldn't taste it, and it was like, uh-oh. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. I want to go and in later, hot like, ones. Why, why am I shitting blood? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we just heard you talking about... How that fan interaction you had when you went to China <laughs> and yeah. uh, my band toured there also. And when you were saying that people were just like shitting on the streets and stuff, I was like, yes, <laughs> no one knows about that. But it's crazy. Like in Beijing, as soon as I got off the plane, I had an instant sore throat. Everyone's been wearing those masks for years. Mm. And uh, I got like the when you're saying the food was terrible. It's so weird what they choose, like, because people were taking us out for dinner and be like, here you go. We're so happy you're here from Canada. Here's a weird scrambled egg in water dish. Enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so with you. I mean, also, the pollution there is horrific. Yeah. Like, they have crazy air pollution. So you're probably yeah. breathing in all this new shit. It's not only is it pollution, but it's new pollution that you don't, <laughs> your body doesn't know yet. Yeah. And the food was weird and yeah, there's shit everywhere. Everybody's squatting and smoking. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, China, I don't want to shit on China, but no, it I wasn't, love, it wasn't my there, but yeah. Yeah. The wall is great. I love the people. The crowds were awesome. You know, uh, they're very efficient people, but I don't know. Not, not my, not my bag. It, it's funny. Uh, my friend Eddie Bravo, he's there for MMA stuff all the time. And and I asked him he like what he ate over there. He's like, first of all, don't drink the water. Don't even brush your teeth yep. with the water. And I was like, what do you eat there? He's like, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's going there to fight and that's what he's eating because oh, it's just consistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably better than our McDonald's, but still, it's McDonald's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got such bad food poisoning that in the middle of the tour while everybody else was doing the great wall and stuff. I was like out of my mind, sick in our hotel for like four days. <laughs> brutal. brutal, And sick is horrible. Food poisoning is horrible, especially when you can't drink the water. Cause all yeah. you want to just do is hydrate. Like when I'm hung over in China, I wanted to kill myself. Cause <laughs> you know, I just go to the tap usually and just chug water all day. But now I'm like, Oh, the, the Evian is out or the Fiji is out or the Dasani is out. I got to go buy new ones. Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy. What were the shows like for you over there? Like, what, did, did everything translate? Yeah, I think they're pretty excited about American comedy or Canadian comedy or whatever it is. So people came out and I had a lot of Chinese people who spoke English as a second language and they knew the language better than I did. <laughs> so They're just so much better than us in all that education and they're smarter. And so yeah. the only problems were like the colloquialisms, like these weird kind of cultural terms we have that they might have might not have okay like just slang and stuff is like yeah hard to explain. yeah hungry enough to eat a horse they're like why would you eat a horse you know they're very <laughs> literal <laughs> when my my band toured japan they uh the record label took us out for dinner and they were kind of like asking how adventurous we were with food we we're like very adventurous. Bring us anything, and then we we're eating this stuff that tastes like liver. And uh, they're just like watching us eat it, and then they're like, "Yeah, that's that's uh, raw horse." So maybe oh. that's where that expression. And I grew. My mom, like, we we're pretty poor, but my mom grew up cleaning 
horse stalls, and so I felt really guilty about having them. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird how we've just decided what animals are yeah. cool to eat and what aren't? You know, go nuts on a fish, go nuts <laughs> on a rabbit, a duck, a quail, a chicken. But hey, if you eat that cat or dog, <laughs> yeah. you're a piece of shit. Like, well, what's the difference? It's just fur and legs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked you had uh, you had talked about how like you grew up in that dilapidated mansion and how the back, which was like a bed and breakfast, was really nice. And then the, the side that you lived in had like minor lamps and stuff. Yeah. And you yeah. said that would be a good show, but it was be too dark. I think that'd be an amazing show. I would watch that. For sure. <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate it. I've tried literally for 10 years to sell it. I've written scripts. I wrote a pitch. I pitched all over town, but. No dice. I don't know what it is. I think if I had some juice, if I was like a famous guy, I could do it. But as a newcomer, they're like, this is a lot. Like, <laughs> tension, trans, you know, 90s. Yeah. Uh, dilapidated mansion bed. It was a lot. It's a lot to throw at people when you're not famous, I guess. It's, but it's so crazy because you've been a name for so long. It, it's like, it's just, I guess it's just hard for, uh, I think also those networks are just afraid of any new ideas. You know? Yes, I agree. They're all a bunch of cowards and they're scared <laughs> of anything new. But if, if I, let's say I put the show on, let's say I shot it myself, paid for it, put it on YouTube and it was a huge hit, then they'd buy it. So mm. they're just, they're just nervous. They're, they're business people at the end of the day. It's not yeah. about the, uh, the art. Yeah, you know, every, yeah. every meeting I go to, they go, you're a comedian. I love George Carlin. I love Richard Pryor. I'm like, you would never book Richard Pryor if he was if he came out today. He's filthy. He's he's irreverent. He's saying all these the n word, all this shit. Like, yeah. you would never book Carlin, an old white guy talking about pussy parts. What are you kidding? <laughs> I like how every interview you do, queefing comes up somehow, which it just did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I think it's maybe the funniest single word. I'm always yes, trying to. Yeah trying to boil comedy down to its quickest version you know you do interviews and then shows and you want to be quick funny quick quick and queef to me seems like the winner of the one word laugh it is really funny and when you when you busted that out on that good morning cleveland show it was like you dunked on her (laughs) (laughs) it just totally changed the pace (laughs) thanks yeah she didn't see that coming that was fun did you it's technically still clean i think i think it's still tv okay they haven't gotten to queef yet that's hilarious. Oh, That's like how that. Dave Chappelle said he's like, skeet, skeet, skeet. No one knows what this means yet. <laughs> right, uh, right. What happened after that interview? Yeah. Did you get a bump on the like social media and stuff? That it's that's the weirdest thing. Uh, I've done like four Tonight Shows, eight Conans, all this shit. Nobody cares. I did that <laughs> one rinky dink Cleveland morning show at 8 a.m. hungover. Yeah. The whole thing took, I don't know, four minutes. And it was the biggest pop I've had. In anything I've done, it, it, uh, if you watch it though, it's so rewatchable and it's so shareable because you just were like so so with it with so many jokes. Like it was crazy. Like when uh, she's oh, like, "Well, you're, when she's like, you're young, and you're like, eh, black don't crack." It's like <laughs> you're already still laughing from the thing that was just said that I would have to pause and be like, "No, you missed it." This is my favorite line of this whole interview. Oh. You got to hear this part. So that's the, I appreciate it. That's very nice, but the. The funny thing is the whole motivation behind that was anger. I was like, oh, this is my fourth one of these today. Yeah. Nobody sees this shit. It's a waste of time. So I'm just saying anything I can just to not kill myself. And uh, so I'm basically just trying to amuse myself. And 
you know, that's the yeah. crazy thing about the internet. You never know what's going to take. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you could hear the crew laughing like right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's got to feel good when you're doing that interview. And that that uh, interviewer, she's like pretty cool. Like <laughs> Bobby Coolest. Lee went on there and just basically molested her and she was just like fine with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she gets it. She she after the cameras went off, she's like, that was great. Good oh, job. Good. And I was like, oh, I thought you hated me. <laughs> I know it's like it's like kind of hard to tell I was like as soon as the camera shut off was she just like yeah. get the fuck out I know, I, and I, but I kind of feel like you have a charm and a likability that you can just get kind of get away with anything yeah totally uh, I, I appreciate it but she she's a pro like she acts mm. a little stuffy like oh god how could you but she, she gets it she's totally playing the straight person and uh, it, it's it's a beautiful thing and I wish more people in TV yeah. were that yeah. that talented but Totally. On morning TV, you're not going to get a lot of, a lot of raw talent. <laughs> totally. Um, I, I heard this old. I don't know if you ever listened to Loveline when you were younger, but uh, yes. Adam Carolla, when he hosted it, was really funny, and he was talking about how he was a bedwetter almost till he was thirty. And Is he that told, right? yeah, and he told a story about how uh, he was having a dream that he was a Roman gladiator, and he was about to fight someone, but he had to pee, and so he was trying to take all his stuff off. <laughs> his armor his chain mail and everything and then he woke up and he peed all over his girlfriend <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i'm just wondering if you ever had any, any encounters with that or if you kind of solved it by the time uh, you were sharing the bed with people i probably stopped wetting the bed at about 13 so i was pretty late but yeah. the thing is you start drinking heavily at 16 <laughs> 17 and then when the booze kicked in again like the blackout nights that's when I would pee on girlfriends or one night stands. I mean, I peed on more kids than R. Kelly. <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. We figured. Oh, yeah. Man. I wonder if R. Kelly was into that when he was of age. Like, it's it's like your joke about how when you're a little kid, you liked grape juice and now you like wine. Yeah. You know, I wonder if he was kind of always into that and it just never matured. Yeah. I, I, I wonder that myself. Like, a pedophile, when he's 11, is he into 11-year-old girls still? And he just stayed there? Or does he go back? You know, yeah, he's How does that work? Yeah, he's a 4-year-old. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> right, right. Fascinating. Uh, well, this is definitely the most crazy interview we've yeah. done so far. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I love it. No, no, great. I love it. We were, look, we were looking forward to this, dude. Like, uh, it's so funny. Like, we've been interviewing kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of seller comics and stuff. And it's always the easiest, funnest interview because, mm -hmm. like, I, pre I prepared a bunch of questions, but we probably didn't even need to do them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you're just so good at this. So thanks for coming on. Oh, man. yeah. Hey, hey, we're just, you guys are great. And it's easy, easy to chat with. So, oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. you. And you have fun questions. I mean, I can't tell you how many of these I do. Like, so what's your process for writing? How did you get into comedy? How do you come up with material? And you're like, I don't know. I talk about bedwetting and then I make an R. Kelly joke and I write it down. <laughs> it's going in the act. Yeah. It's going in the act. <laughs> did you, um, when you were a kid, like I heard you kind of talk about how like you were like into skateboarding and tagging and stuff. Did you ever get into fights? Like you were in a rough neighborhood, right? Because you grew up in New Orleans. Oh, I mean, I got no fights, but I, I'd say I got beat up a lot. I wouldn't say I didn't do much fighting. I was so, I don't know. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I wasn't a, an aggressive kid. So hmm. if you started shit with me, I would just be like, what? Huh? And then I get hit in the face. Oh. So, 
but yeah, I got in a lot of fights. I got knocked out once on uh, St. Charles Avenue, and I pissed myself. I got knocked out. <laughs> what happened? Which is double embarrassing. He hit me right in the temple, and I just oh. saw white fell down on the on oh. a guy's lawn. Woke up, and I was covered in piss. And my friends were fighting above me, and I was like, "Well, this is maybe the lowest point in my life." <laughs> what what started the altercation? Well, uh, it's Mar- it was a Mardi Gras parade. I think I was, I don't know, in, probably in college. I was 19, 20. And these kids, these other college kids were trying to steal another kid, like a 10-year-old kid's stuff. You know, you catch stuff from the floats and you put it in a bag and it's yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. And they were, they, this kid had a, a treasure trove of beads and doubloons and all this shit. So these guys were trying to take it. And we oh. stepped in. We're like, Jesus, leave the kid his, his stuff. And they're like, you got a problem. We're like, well, what, what the hell's wrong with you? And then they just started wailing on us oh. and we, we held our own, but the fight broke up. And then while we're all kind of standing there, one of them ran up and sucker punched me and I oh. went out. Yeah. And then the urine commenced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you get for trying to be a good person. <laughs> I know. I know. We, we got them back later though. We, we beat the fuck out of the street uh, on a surprise attack, but Hey, those were different <laughs> times when there were no cell phone cameras and no <laughs> yeah. Twitter and you could, you could really fuck someone up and get away with it. Was it was it like Goodwill Hunting where you're driving and you saw them and you're like, stop the car? <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. It was uh, we were at the parade and my friend saw him from it. Like those are those guys, and we had more guys with us this time, and we had like our football player friends were there, Whoa. so we were a lot more mobbed up and yeah. uh, we really dominated. And we didn't feel bad because they, you know, <laughs> yeah. sucker punched me. Fuck those yeah, guys. Exactly. I'm glad that happened. Yeah. Maybe they learned yes. a little something. <laughs> Eye for an anal. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that the Good Morning Cleveland thing like gave you like the biggest bump. But Rogan must have those appearances must do something for your social oh, media yeah. and awareness. Right. Hmm. It's not what it used to be with the Spotify, oh. but I, oh, hey, yeah. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I've done the the L.A. one and the Austin one. Oh, cool. And the L.A. was just that first one was just. I mean, yeah. to the moon, Alice, it was just like a huge, <laughs> huge bump. And I went from being like a, you know, comedian on the road, selling half a room and then to just selling out shows, adding shows. So, wow, that was a big game changer. That's such a cool opportunity. Like when you got asked to do it. Man, what a great couple years you had like with that and then Seinfeld asking you to open for him on the road and everything. And you were doing Schumer arena tours before that. So, so awesome. Yeah. I had a good run. I had a good run and I'm completely grateful and aware of how lucky I am throughout the whole thing. But I, here's the thing is I always prepare. Like some guys go, I'm doing Rogan tomorrow. And I'm like, well, what do you got? You got any stories? They're like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I, oh. I wrote down every story. I wrote a list of all the interesting things. I wrote the Enos stuff, the bed and yeah. breakfast stuff. I wrote it all out and just had it in my head. Wow. In case it was a lull or a dead spot, I could just bring that shit up. So, wow. You got to, you know, you get the opportunity, but you still got to kill it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you've kind of handled your whole career. Like, you clearly really care about doing a good job with stand up. Like, it seems like you write all the time. Oh, yeah. You got to write. I, I heard Neil Brennan once say, he's like, Look at all the most famous comedians. They're all the ones who write the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, he's right. You got to have a new hour. You got to have new material. You got to go on SNL and have material there. You got to go on Kona and have material there. So yeah. you just constantly have to be writing and having new stuff. Because yeah. comedy, the curse of it, you know, you play Stairway to Heaven your whole life and you're fine. <laughs> comedy, you got to have new stuff or, or you're done. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's unless you're like one of those Gaffigan style comedians where you, but you still need to have new stuff, but people for some reason still want to like sit, talk along to the punchline or that's you know what true. I mean? Well, he's got a couple stairway to heaven bits, you know, the yeah. hot pockets and all yeah. that. So, but that's, you know, few and far between that's yeah. one bit or two bits out of seven yeah. hours of material. Absolutely. And he, he's a workaholic too. And it's crazy because oh, yeah. he and his wife write his act together. I read. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, True story. Um, Dimitri Martin does treats writing like a nine to five. Did you kind of have that kind of thing? I try to do at least an hour a day. Mm. And, uh, uh, Roy Wood Jr. He's a great comic. He yeah. had this great point where he said, they said, how much do you write? He goes, I write all day. They're like, what do you mean you write all day? He's like, well, when I'm taking a shower, I'm writing, When I'm eating yeah. lunch. I'm writing. Cause you're yeah. going, how come the hot dog bun is smaller than the whatever? So you're, <laughs> you're constantly just, yeah. you know, uh, what do you call it? Like marinating with material. Yeah. So that's kind of writing because writing is more than just literal physical yeah. writing. It's actually just thinking about it, stewing on a joke, stewing on an idea. And sometimes that takes years, but you, you got to be always doing it. Yeah. I mean, do you, and you do um, Tuesdays with stories and you've been doing it for a long time. Do you ever kind of like accidentally come across a, like what could be a bit during that and write it down and try it later kind of thing? All the time, all the yeah. time. Yeah. So just just like jogging stuff because when yeah. you sit down to an empty piece of paper you're kind of blank you're like okay you start looking around the room chairs what's funny about chairs you know <laughs> and but when you start jogging it and having a conversation it comes more naturally and like that that r kelly thing i'll, I'll probably tweet that later please do yes i can't wait to retweet it um when you were when um you were talking shop with seinfeld when you were on the road with him is he like is he still like let's talk about writing and like is he still like talking about comics and all that kind of stuff like in the same way you do completely he's a complete comedy nerd uh yeah. he wants to hear who's the new guys who's who's oh, the new cool. guy or gal that's that's fun and, and innovative and killing it and what are the good rooms what shows he like what are you guys doing what's up with with tiktok like he's very curious and i think that's why he's so relevant still i mean his yeah. show has been off the air for 20 years yeah and he still comedians in cars he just put out a special last year he put out a new book like he's still hustling it's so funny because how we were talking about how we're both like overly considerate when you accidentally went off stage and went back on stage you must have been just like ki kicking oh. yourself all night <laughs> worst, worst mistake i've ever made if i could if i could have given my left arm to replay that i would have done it in a heartbeat but then he seemed to have just it seemed to like not bother him beyond the moment though right yeah yeah i guess and i think weirdly enough he kind of gave me the business and he yelled at me and then i think that actually made us closer in the end oh yeah so it all worked out, you know, ends well, whatever that ends well, you know, whatever it is, uh, all's well that ends well, but, uh, it was pretty horrific at the time. I, I went to, I went home, I'm in my suit yeah. and, uh, I'm just laying in bed in the suit, staring at the ceiling. And like, before I knew it, the, 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 the sun had come up. I just was oh. thinking, you know, <laughs> yeah, brutal. Oh, oh no. sorry. I brought it up. Uh, no, no, no. It's, 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 it's a fun story. We're still cool. It's not like it, it fucked up our relationship. Oh man, that's great. Did you, did you find that uh, during isolation, everything you can were consistent with writing and everything still? No, I, I feel bad. I wasn't as good as I could have been. I think we all had a moment like, well, the world's over. Let's just eat ice cream and yeah. watch Netflix <laughs> and you know keep the bathrobe on and sleep, yeah. sleep till three and go to bed at five. 
So <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed that for a couple months, and but now I'm back, kind of yeah. back stepping on the gas again. That's great, man. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, We're big fans. You. You're so funny, man. Thanks for doing the great interview uh, with us. Yeah. You guys are pros. You're great. And praise Allah. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great show tonight, man. Thank you. Comedy. Bye. Bye. Bye.